Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm sitting here with Heather McFadden. I hope I pronounced it the That's, way she did the best. It. You did the best. Thank you. Um, she is uh, a podcast host, the Don't Mom Alone podcast. She's a mom to four boys, and her latest her latest book, her book, Don't Mom Alone: Growing the Relationships You Need to Be the Mom You Want to Be. I think is so pivotal for this season of isolation we have all been experiencing. And if anything, you can buy it just for the cover because it's so cute. Uh, Well, I'm excited to have Heather on the show. Heather, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's fun. It's fun to be on this side of things. Exactly. So you are, you're not just like a podcast host. You're like a prolific podcast host, possibly have been doing this before podcasts existed. I want to hear a little bit of your story of yeah. how you kind of got into podcasting, writing, and then we'll get into the book and all that kind of stuff. So tell me a little bit about your story. So children gather around before Facebook existed. <laughs> no, for reals. Uh, before people could post their updates on Facebook and Instagram, moms had blogs and that's how we would all update our families and our friends on going to the zoo. And it was something you could feel behind on. Like I haven't updated my blog with so sorry. You know, <laughs> another area to feel pressure for moms, but we would have blog roles on the side. These are all the friends that, you know, I follow their blogs and yada, yada. So I had the family blog and then I actually, we were talking about Kat Lee. I, was in a very desperate place with barely surviving. I had a, a four, two and a newborn. And a friend said, you should check out Kat Lee and her maximize your mornings ebook. And I was like, you crazy. I'm not going to get up earlier. That is insane. Um, I'm barely surviving with the sleep that I have. And anyway, God collided my path with Kat. Uh, I signed up for one of their challenges. She was my coach. And one of those Februaries, I got the flu and she's just, you know, reached out to me. I noticed you haven't been checking in. She was really faithful in that season. I started connecting my motherhood journey with my faith journey and wanted to start writing about it. And so I launched the God centered mom podcast, which to me was I'm super self-centered. I'm super child centered. I've tried all these routes And the only thing that is actually helping me is to kind of replace me or my kids from the center of all of this and put God there. And so I wrote about that for years, Um, almost wrote a book when my youngest was a new baby, had an agent reach out and was working on that. And then when that didn't happen, he told me eventually after years of kind of going back and forth that there really wasn't a like a, what do they call it? A marketplace for mom books right then. A lot of the mom blogs had been picked up and turned into books. And so 
I, with having a newborn and three other children, I was a little slow in getting things out. And he was like, I think this just isn't the right time. And I said, forget writing. I'm going to talk. I'm going to start a podcast. And so Kat Lee, again, she and my friend, Katie, Orr, they helped me start my podcast and did that for, that was 2013, November of 2013. Can I ask you, cause I feel like you have just brushed over that moment, but, um, what I love that I'm sure there's a lot of emotion in that. What I love is that you took something that could have been really discouraging and disappointing mm. and you didn't let it stop you. And I, I think that is incredibly powerful. So really what Heather has said is, you know, I have a lot of authors on the show. I have um, pitched, you know, books to publishing houses and it's a very, it's a really tricky thing to do. And it's, um, it's so discouraging. It's a slow process. You wait to hear back from things and to be in a place where you feel like, yeah, there's some momentum happening. This is, this is what God is asking me to do. And then to have that not happen. I think it's easy to feel like, well, this is over. I'm going to like, were you tempted to just be like, close up shop? Like, how did you pivot from I'm moving in this direction to, oh, I'm going to start a podcast. Yeah. Well, you're, you're very intuitive. You're a good interviewer. Um, I would say the whole, do I write a book or do I not write a book was quite a, a journey for me on, am I neglecting my kids to put time into working on this book was a struggle I had. And then it was like, okay, well I'm scrolling Facebook because Facebook existed by then I'm spending time doing things. So am I being disobedient to not make the time to work on the book, put effort into it, really give it a go. And so I was doing an internal struggle on, is this what God wants me to do or not? And then when I finally was like, yes, I'm going to do it. And I asked friends to pray. I was going to this conference and I thought I had appointments with publishers. I had the proposal all done. And when I say agent, my agent is Ann Voskamp's agent. This was not like, you know, a, a small, this was like, okay, God, you brought something that's kind of miraculous to me. I didn't reach out to him. He reached out to me, saw my blog and asked if I'd ever considered publishing. So I'm following you on this. <laughs> this is not my driven dream. And I show up and I had actually, you know, our lives are full and we can't do all the things at the same time. So I had been helping plan a conference for bloggers, uh, here in Dallas. And that team was actually meeting over in the corner of the lobby. I could see them during my meeting with my agent. And in this meeting with my agent, I thought we were going to talk about all the publishing meetings we were going to do and all the places we we're going to take my proposal. Instead, he's telling me, no, we're not going to do anything with it. And I'm looking over at my friends and they're all planning and excited. And the conference we'd hosted had gone so well. And I'm thinking that is life and joy. I'm gesturing over at them. And what I'm experiencing with this agent is death. And I had just heard, um, Bianca old, I don't know. How to say last name. Yeah. Old tough, old tough. Yeah. She was at this Not as hard as yours. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. So I had just heard her speak on the part of the old Testament where, you know, a lie. I'm going to, I'm going to mess it up now that I'm on the pressures on Elijah or Elisha, one of the, uh, 
be prophets is looking at a battlefield of bones from men who died in the battle and it's death everywhere he looks and God tells him to prophesy over them. And then God brings those skeletons back to life. The, the tissues come back on and he literally breathes life into them. And in that moment, when I was listening to her talk and I was sitting there in that meeting, I thought, you know what, if I try to force this book to happen, it's like me stacking all the bones up and trying to puppet them around. And that's not where God wants, what God wants me to do. I literally in that moment, surrendered it, handed it back to him and said, if this is something you want me to do, you have to breathe life into it in your timing. And so then I was just like, okay, what I've made space in my life to do something else. What is that something else? And thankfully, because of my mastermind group and the people I was already connected with uh, the tools to start a podcast, um, were all there. So I love how much you unpacked there because I think, um, the other thing you, you mentioned was the wrestle that I think every mom, especially moms of little kids, um, Mm. deal with where you're going, am I, am I actually wrong that I'm taking something away from fully investing in my kids? And there's this other thing I think you're calling me to, but and you called me to it. And I've had those moments too where I'm like, I didn't call myself God. Like I, it actually would be very much easier to not do any of this stuff. So yeah. you've called me to it. Why isn't it working out the way I thought? Why isn't this happening? And so I think the key there that I love is that you surrendered it. And what I have felt lately in the season in many, many areas of my life is exactly what you said. I can't try as I might. I cannot push it through. And Heather and I were just talking beforehand about um, me trying to build this Ikea furniture and I'm missing pieces. And it felt, you know, when God just like, there's something in your life that's tangible and you're like, ah, this is, I know you're trying to speak to me through this. It doesn't matter what I do. I cannot put this dresser together. I don't have the right pieces and I can't strong arm my way to make it happen. And you know what? I'm, I would be frustrated all along the way And that's what we do even in our like God-given dreams and purposes and things he's put before us. And so it's that place where we get so tightly wound, we're striving, we're frustrated. And I will, I will get back to that place again and again until I have that moment where I open my hands and say, okay, you're, you are going to do the heavy lifting here. I'm going to just going to be obedient to the steps in front of me. And I think the thing that not many people, um, this is why I love asking people their stories because when you get into the store, you see so many zigs and zags that you were not expecting. And when we when we look at somebody and we say, "Oh, you're of course, of course, you have this massive platform and podcast, and you're having a book, and it must have been so easy. You just met this person." And some people have those stories where you're like, "Wow, things really just blew up for you overnight." <laughs> but that's very rare. Yeah, it's most people who have just said, "I'm going to be obedient to God in these moments of." frustration, doing the thing that like when I had Kat Lee on my um, podcast, she was even sharing about this um, thing she had started recently, um, a coaching that she started. And it was like, this actually wasn't, this didn't work out. This wasn't the thing. And so uh, I hope that gives women here permission who are feeling frustrated in that thing. And even in the wrestle of like, 
God, where do you want me to be? And and I don't know about you, but I've just found it is a daily discipline of surrender and what what's next for today. Yeah. I think it goes to our kids too. I mean, things grow slow. Good things grow slow. And that includes people. And I think we can have one bad interaction or get one little bit of feedback from a teacher or someone else about our kids. And we can just all of a sudden feel incredible mom shame that something's wrong with us, that our child is going through that little blip in their story. And we just have no clue what that blip is going to, what role it's going to play in the wholeness of who God's shaping them to be. But it feels like a hit to who we are and did we do something wrong? And we question all the choices we made in parenting. And, and, um, I just want to free moms up in the same way of this journey with the book. It's like, well, why don't I have that same faith and surrender with my kids? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And I think you're right. Like we, um, especially since, you know, you have four boys and they're all on different they're different ages and stages and personalities. And so really, it's not that you are getting to that place where you're like, and we've arrived. It's like, no, no, no. We've got no. new challenges and things along the way. Um, I, I, I know, know less than I ever yeah. knew. Okay. Right. It's the mom of the one-year-old that's got it all figured out. I don't Or no, so the, one, the one who does no children. That's the one who's got it. Oh, I was such, I was such a good mom then. Actually, yeah. it was, you know, my first year of motherhood was very hard in the sense that I, I felt like I had to defend my yeah. choices and my, and it really, what it came out of was this, um, fear. I didn't, I really didn't know what I was doing and it came across as no, 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 I'm, I'm fully, I'm trying to prove to the world how capable I am. Yeah. And it has been later on realizing, no, I need to ask for wisdom from mm -hmm. other moms. And so let's get into your, the message from your book. Um, don't mom alone. I think we, Motherhood has always been isolating, even before a pandemic and even before social media, but those things have increased this, this pressure. So I just want to know from you, like you've now, you've been in the trenches for 16 years. What has really changed in motherhood over these last 16 years and how has that made it harder for us to connect? I don't know about moms in general. I can, and I even feel like the way the pandemic has impacted moms is so varied across the globe. I get feedback from some moms, you know, kind of just South of where you are. We're like, it seems the South and Texas, they're having a party and we're not invited. Like totally. they have all been set free and we are still yeah. locked down. And so, um, I grieve for all of that. I think my heart for myself and in my journey, of mothering is there were a lot of things I was believing, like you were talking about with that fear that even if people were around me, even if I wasn't physically locked down in my house, I was isolated from reaching out, from accepting help, from being vulnerable because of things I believed about my role as a mom or the truth of who God was, or even what people bring to me, the gift that they bring to me when I am vulnerable. And so a lot of my journey was literally getting to the end of myself and, um, everyone has an end point. I mean, some people, it might be eight children, some people it's one, but for me, it was the four boys. I just, 
I hit bottom and it took, you know, seeing professional counselor, really finally opening up with friends about what was hard. And, um, I don't know. I just, I grieve for some of the moms I see that feel the pressure to keep up the image of perfect and that formula that they think is the right way to turn out a perfect adult. And so they aren't willing to say, oh, this was hard today, or I made this mistake. Um, and there's also the ones who are telling you all the time, like you were saying, you were the hot mess president. Sometimes even in that, we have to question, well, why am I saying that? Is it so they won't judge me? Cause it's like, I I'm so far out of the formula. Like what's going on that I need your approval either way. And so doing the hard work of figuring that out, I think is, um, is what I'm, I'm passionate about. Well, I, um, I appreciate what you said, even about that, um, place of hitting bottom that that is my story of of postpartum depression and really getting to that place of hitting bottom and and it was God pulled me out of that pit and there's been lots that I've shared on here about that process but um there is something that is very refining in motherhood and um you know we can really hide who we are from the world from our friends from everyone out there but not from the people we live with, right? And it's it's almost like like I heard I've heard somebody say, uh, marriage shows you how selfish you are, and motherhood shows you how angry you are. And there were things that I was like, oh, this is like the worst version of myself is coming out. And it's really hard to um, figure out how do I how do I move forward in that, or how do or do I just hide those things, right? And how do you have those vulnerable conversations with a friend where you're saying like. I, I yelled at my kid. Like I didn't, oh, sorry, I screamed, like I was crazy with my kid or I, I did this or whatever you're feeling like and you're, you can just get in this place of shame. And we had a, a woman on a few weeks ago who was talking about anger and in that place of like, what does it look like to actually go to God and say, hey, hidden rock bottom here. <laughs> like I, I need you because I think it really does start with our relationship with him and being honest with him and with ourselves and then um, being able to be honest with friends. Yeah. Um, yep. And I, I think in this season as we have women who are feeling isolated and sometimes are they're telling themselves the stories of either I have to put on this image or I, I need help or there's this or there is the very uh, there's the reality of I don't know who my friends are. I don't have friends in this season. We've been home for a year and a half. What would you say to that woman who's just feeling like, I feel really alone in this journey? What would you say to her? So every chapter of the book targets a different isolating idea. So whether it's something related to um, your relationship with God and your lack of trusting him for the outcome of your kids, whether it's a lie you're believing about your worthiness as a friend or whether you're seen. Um, we have a whole section on that. And then a whole section on your kids, like chapter nine is about my anger struggles. And so that kept me isolated because I can't let you see what I'm actually like at home. And it was doing the work of 12 step recovery with our small group and 
some inner healing prayer that I really recognized behind my anger because it's a secondary emotion was fear. And also this lie of weakness and anger is a very energizing emotion. And so when we feel overwhelmed, overwhelmed is fear. When we feel overwhelmed, we (laughs) go into fight or flight. We rise up and get that energy and those big emotions. And so I had to reckon with what am I afraid of? And so I would say to that mom, instead of thinking, oh, I'm angry. I got to stop being angry. Anger is equals bad. Anger is one of the primary emotions. God has anger. We are made in his image. Anger is not bad. And that throws people off because they have been maybe damaged by the anger of a parent or, um, but it's anger released to solve the problem. That's bad. So when we, when we activate our anger into a rage or an attack, which I've done, there's no, I'm not judging anyone. I'm just saying that's when I get to a place of actually harming relationships. But if I pay attention to myself and I'm noticing my heart's racing and I'm wanting to use anger in that moment with my kid, I have to get curious either outside later of the moment or in the moment. If I have enough, usually we get out of the window where we're thinking and we go into fight or flight and there's no way to be objective about what's happening. But if I'm noticing a pattern of, okay, I'm, I'm always getting angry around dinner time when X and Y and Z is happening, or I'm always getting angry when we're trying to leave the house, looking for those places where it's showing up and getting curious, being a non-judgmental observer of yourself. Why am I doing that? what is going on? Is it something in my kids that a character thing that we need to work on? Or is it an expectation I have on myself? Or is it a fear? Like this is stressful to me because we're not very organized and we're going to be late. And then people are going to judge me and think I'm, you know, a flaky person, like what is going on? And to do that work is going to long-term benefit you and your relationship with your kids. And, um, I don't know. I think I totally relate to that mom. I totally get how it can isolate you. And I just want to encourage her that she's not the only one. And there are amazing tools, so many tools out there these days, uh, to help moms parent from a calmer place, but it doesn't come from saying, I'm not going to be angry. (laughs) That's possible. Well, I, I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody use that example of really fear with the, almost the fear of like, what are people going to think of me? And so this morning as I'm, my husband's out of town, I'm getting the girls at the door to um, school on my own, which isn't impossible. It feels harder on my own. And I was so doing I'm that like, today too. Yes. Yep. I was doing that today so, okay, too. So yep. Like, how do we, how do we move you along here? And in my mind, it is the, my daughter who's in kindergarten, my oldest had the same teacher and we were always late because I had a newborn and we were, again, this was the hot mess mom season. We just could not get our our act together. We were not getting up early to have hello mornings. We were (laughs) sleeping in to the last possible moment. And so for me, it's that, that, that teacher is going to think I'm still that hot mess mom. No, no, we've changed. We can get to school early and it's that judgment. And so I don't think I ever would have thought of that as a fear of being how I'm being perceived or judged, but it totally is. That's why I'm, I'm hustling you out the door. It's not for you to get to school on time. and so that I don't look bad. And so I think that, um, 
you know, we're always working with our kids to continue to kind of smooth out some of those rough edges, right? Of, of the, those trigger responses and other things and how we're living together in community. And the same is true for us as parents. Like we get the opportunity to continue getting those like rough edges. And some of it comes with pausing to say, huh, you're right. This is, this is where this is coming from. And even what can we do? I think the Holy Spirit does a great job of giving us strategy. What can we do practically to even help resolve that trigger place? Like, right, you know, what what's starting the um, early morning? So I, I love that you shared that. Um, I want to talk to the, the mom who is telling herself, because you've shared about this a few times, telling herself a narrative that um, maybe people don't want to be with her, hang mm-hmm. out with her for whatever reason. Yeah. It, it might be because her kids are in a hard uh, They're crazy. They bite. I don't know. Yeah. What do they do? They, um, they're it disrespectful. Might be because, yeah, she's, it might be because she's, she's struggling and she's having a hard time. So what would you say to the mom who, who kind of has that, lie yep. on repeat that is yep. what would it you say often has nothing to do with the people around her. And, and I find that for myself, I always try to go back to what's my story for myself. I had to do the work of, um, that's where inner healing prayer. I kind of mentioned, I kind of breezed over again, but I share a story in the book of me having to go back and heal a memory from middle school. It's that middle school self that, uh, I was homeschooled before it was a pandemic popular. Um, and I had a memory of being in junior high youth group and there was a literal circle and I was standing on the outside and was not invited in to, and I'm kind of like trying to look over people's shoulders and with inner healing prayer, you kind of go back to those memories. It's amazing how they pop up so easily and, uh, figure out what was I believing about who I am and then you invite Jesus to come and heal it. And so he showed up and he took me by the hand and he led me outside and there's a pond and there are these corn dog plants, (laughs) you know, have you, do you have them in Canada? They look, look like corn dogs. Uh, They're around ponds. I I don't know what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they're called. I probably should figure that out. And, uh, anyway, he, they were circled up too. And he just, we stood there on the edge of the pond and just the moment I had with Jesus there and how he redeemed it. And, the words he spoke over me, it just felt like this, um, exclusion lie that I had, or this not being worthy of being given attention, um, rejection, all of that healed up. And I think so often we interact with people as adult women, and we're still holding onto these beliefs from past woundings, past experiences intentionally or unintentionally that have happened to us. And so to do that work, like you said, it's this gift of motherhood. It's a bloodbath, but it's this gift of motherhood that we get to figure those things out. And instead of blaming the friend group for not being better people, we can show up as, as whole healthier, whole believing our true identity and, um, kind of, I've been reading about attachment theory a lot lately, but like be securely attached to God and who he says we are so that we can allow for their, you know, missteps and we can give grace where it's needed. Um, we can pull back and, you know, lean into him and not need those friendships. 
uh, to the degree that I think sometimes, you know, I said, it's good to be vulnerable, but sometimes people are so vulnerable because they're needing something from you that humans can't give, you know? So, so good. Well, I love all that you shared and I don't share, I have shared about this on the podcast before, but my story of going from hot mess mom to thriving mom, um, it, it also was, it, it was, it was healing prayer as well. Okay. It was the same thing okay. where, um, and I've talked about this in episode 69, where I share about my story, where um, really it was, it started off as um, confession yep. on Valentine's Day. And my husband had used this analogy. He was praying with me. He finally convinced me to pray because um, I had postpartum depression. I was like, no, I was like, anything else? Um, you're such a jerk. Why do you want me to pray? And um, he said, okay, pretend we've got this dump truck right here. Um, and anything that comes to mind, I'm just going to throw it on the dump truck. And so yep. it was everything I had stuffed down from childhood, from you know things that I don't want to share with my husband on Valentine's Day. I'm confessing all of it. For me, the biggest surprise was actually the bitterness I felt towards him and his job. I'd been cultivating bitterness for years because he'd been gone. And as I even confessed that out loud, I remember feeling a physical lightness. Yep. I was like, okay, this is this is something. And so um, it was this confession and we he just prayed very powerfully for all of that to be gone. And I remember the next day being like, huh, like my, it wasn't just that my postpartum depression was gone. It was that I had been struggling with um, depression on and off. And it, that really started this journey of um, God beginning to kind of reveal to me a little bit more about how, um, I, what I was taking part in, the conversations I had, what I watched, everything was, it was kind of cultivating something in my heart. And my my book Tangled comes out of that, where I talk about getting to the root of things. And so I have a story in there of um, how every year going up to my birthday party, or sorry, leading up to my birthday, I would get very anxious and huh. my um, chest would get tight and I'd be like, why, why am I feeling this way as it comes to my birthday? And it was a memory from when I was a kid mm-hmm. um, because it was a summer birthday party and no one was around for the summer. And so for me, what that kind of carried on was feeling like, always feeling like people don't like me. People yeah. just don't like my friends, people I've met if they don't respond to a text right away or respond in a way that I think they should, it's it's a story of rejection. And so really it was God coming in, like exactly as you said, giving him that, allowing him to heal that space, speaking words of life and truth. And it replaced the filter both in my heart and my eyes of how I am seeing other people, how I'm seeing myself, how I'm seeing interactions. And there's still the odd time where I will say to my husband, I'll share with him something that has happened and I'll say, am I being like too sensitive about this or do, (laughs) am I reading this wrong? And he's like, yes, you are. I'm like, okay. Cause sometimes we still get caught up in telling ourselves those, um, lies. And so all of that to say, um, I think what Heather shared and what I have shared is it is worth doing the hard work to become healed and whole as a mom. And taking that time, and it's it is hard work to to actually dig into some of those places, um, things we'd much rather avoid. But we not only does our life become more free and full and whole, but it benefits our kids because we're not parenting out of that 
um, hard places. Doesn't mean we're not going to have hard things happen, but um, that's my kind of my two cents in there, piggybacking what you said because it was so yeah. powerful. Well, and I think we have to recognize too, we are not going to get this right. There are going to be passing statements we make to our kids or summer birthdays, things that we cannot cannot prevent them from having some false beliefs and them needing to go through confession of God. I'm believing this thing. And I know it doesn't line up with your truth. Uh, will you forgive me? He's like, of course, of course. Uh, but even that practice of praying with our kids, like I've done that with some of my boys, if there's something that just keeps coming up that they're saying, and I'm like, what are you believing? And we talk through, and what does God think about that? And inviting God in, I think it's a practice that what a gift to give our kids to have a little less baggage going into adulthood. Um, cause we're not going to be able to prevent wrong beliefs from happening in their head. Their little heads are trying to solve for things all the time and interactions are happening constantly. And we're not going to keep them from that. And we should never have the pressure to do that, but we have tools. We have the Holy spirit. We have God, we have prayer. And that's not a last resort. It's a first line of defense in my mind. Well, I love that you shared that because I think there is pressure um, for us to get it right all the time. And um, if our kids end up a certain way or they do something, um, like yesterday I had an interaction where I don't know if my at the playground my daughter had hit somebody or she was involved in some altercation and immediately you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I, what happened? Um, and you, they are these little representations of who you are. Um, and so that's hard. There is this um, pressure we can feel. But really, I think when we come back to the, you know, what what can we control? And in terms of like, we can own our stuff. We can take responsibility for who we are. Be in that relationship with God, like you said, that abiding. And there's going to be this fruit that comes out of that. Um, for the mom who feels like they they may be in a season where they have no friends or they have people who I think this has actually been a season where friendships in general have taken a hit just based on um, things that we're choosing or believing based on very pop popular topics right now. Um, that's been really hard. There's been a lot of pressure. Um, what would you say? Like, have you had the same friend groups for your entire 16 years of having kids? Have friendships changed? What would you say to like the woman who's feeling like I need, I need friends. What does this look like in this season? Yeah, I have a whole, um, a whole chapter on that too, that I feel like there's a lot going on with what you're saying. One, I think sometimes in those divisions, it's really fear on both sides and we're not hearing the fear in one another. We're instead just hearing the passion or maybe the anger. And so to really listen with our hearts instead of our heads and why we have to prove them wrong. Like you were saying at the beginning, how you so passionately talked about your parenting method because you were actually insecure about it. And I think so much of what's going on right now, we don't, we've never done it before. There's no manual. And so we're all in this trying to sort through and think that our little piece of information is truth and we need to convince everybody else of our way. And it's really just insecurity and fear. And so if we would meet each other there, instead of having to convince the person of our way, so we feel better, I think there would be some more unity in our differences. 
Um, I think as far as, you know, the same friend groups, I do think there's ebbs and flows in all friendships. And that happens when maybe you had a friend group when they were little, and then everyone's going to different schools and that's a natural, you know, growing apart that can happen. Um, I think also I've had friendships where there's some conflict and where we've had to work through that, even with what we've gone through, or maybe you're seeing the same people every week and you're like, okay, now we're rubbing up against each other. Now it's becoming like family. And so my advice there is if it's a relationship you want to keep that I learned this term in college, when I was an RA care frontation, there's a way to approach a situation where you've done the work on your end to figure out what's going on in you talk to God about it. And then you just say, Hey, could we have lunch? Could we meet at a park? I'd love to talk to you about something. Um, I really value our friendship. And you just say, and this is the phrase that a friend gave me, this is how I'm experiencing you. How are you experiencing me? Because sometimes the messages we're sending to a friend are being misread based on, like we just talked about all the things going on in our own heads, all of our own stories, all of our own emotions. And so I did that with a friend and it was so eye-opening the beliefs she was holding and totally not true on my end. Um, and so we could talk it through and our relationship was restored and it was worth it to me because she's someone I really value and I want to continue to have, she's really important in my life. And so doing that work, um, I also would, you know, there might be an amazing person in your circle that you've just never taken the time to invite or get to know on a deeper level. And so maybe be the brave one and inviter to do something that you're already doing and take a risk and share one vulnerable thing and see how she responds. And, you know, I feel like I, you were a stranger when we started and I feel very connected to you because we were honest, um, about some harder things. And I don't know, you just don't know where a friend could be if you don't show up and try. And so waiting for people to come after you, <laughs> less likely to happen. Create the thing that you well, want, you know? I love that you just said that. Cause I feel like, um, again, I don't know if it is being a little more introverted or having felt overwhelmed in a lot of my motherhood. I'm not always the inviter and I I'll go to things. Oh, you're putting something on or I'll try to make this work. Um, but I think when we get in a place sometimes and I can get in a place of, I feel sorry for myself. I'm not invited to anything. I'm not. And then I have to pause and say, what have I invited people to? What am I creating? I want to have a, a few years ago, I was like, I want to have a craft craft night with some moms. And, um, and so I invited some women over and, and again, we can feel very um, vulnerable in that. It's risky. We don't know. Yeah. It's risky. Yeah. And um, full transparency. I think I shared this here before. Like, not many people came. It was a right before Christmas, and it you know, all there. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons. And beforehand, I went for this walk, and I was praying, and I was like mad at God again. I was like, I feel like you gave me this idea, and I wanted to have 30 women. And there was like three women who came. I felt so rejected. Those lies want to come back to tell yeah. me like people Birthday don't party. like you. Yep, yep. Even though they have very good reasons. Um, but I I went for my walk and, and had it out with God. And he was like, like, be fully present. Be fully like, like these women are coming. And we had such a good night of connection 
and just hanging out with the the four of us. I was like this after they left. I was like, this was perfect. We have to do this again. Um, And then the pandemic happened. But um, (laughs) but I I mean, numbers like big numbers. Jesus was never that way. He had his three and his 12. I mean, I just, yeah, I, I think that's a great example and taking the risk. Um, yeah. Who doesn't, I, I love to be invited, you know, even if I, I don't come, I love to know that yeah. you were thinking of inviting me. Yeah. I love when you think enough of me to share your hard thing with me. I feel really honored, you know? Yeah. Well, I think if God gives you that little nudge of just a like, what about that mom? What about that? And even if you're like, ah, that that feels risky or I don't know, I think that's God's way of saying, just like, just follow this, just try this. And it doesn't mean you're going to become mom BFFs, but, um, but just that's, I think that's the Holy Spirit gives us those invitations to reach out to other people. Yep. Um, Heather, I've really enjoyed getting to know you. And I know that people, I'm excited to get your book. It's in the mail. I can't wait to start reading it. Um, Where can people find you? Where can they get your book and um, learn a little bit more about you? The the brand's pretty consistent. So Instagram, it's (laughs) Don't Mom Alone. Website is don'tmomalone.com. And if you want to look at the book, you just forward slash book. And yeah, it's available wherever books are sold. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited to dive in and, um, I'm excited to hear stories of women who have read your book or have listened to you on podcasts and are feeling, um, just encouraged in this journey of motherhood that is, um, can be so isolating and so challenging. So, um, thank you for sharing. And I trust this has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right, and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something, but when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, Click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.